The current industrial approach to agriculture and food systems continues to build gender disparities in the farming and food sectors, with increased domination of men at the expense of women participation in these two crucial sectors. Women continue to play a big role in Kenya's food and farming systems, despite the fact that the current model does not adequately recognize their contribution in production, value addition, and processing of food. Most of the work done by women is not economically rewarded, as it is considered subsistence and mainly falls under the social gender roles and responsibilities of women. Agricultural activities in which women are involved are often categorized as domestic work and therefore are not accounted for and we see most private and public sectors investing so much in this type of agriculture, the industrial approach, which continues to widen this gap. Are you wondering how you can learn more about food? Well, you're in the right place. This is the Chakula Podcast, brought to you by the Route to Food Initiative, a show that celebrates authentic Kenyan dishes and serves you hot conversations about food in Kenya from an economic, social, and political lens. Semanasi Kwenye social media at Root to Food on Instagram, at Root to Food on Twitter, and Root to Food on Facebook. And now, here's your host, Felistas Mwalia. The alternative approach to this industrial agriculture which leaves women behind is agroecology, which offers a great opportunity to not only enhance participation of women in food and agricultural sectors, but also optimize on the gains of a more gender-inclusive approach to farming and food systems. It rewards knowledge, innovation, and skills, therefore onboarding otherwise sidelined groups in the society. Through more decentralized food and farming systems, agroecology enhances self-determination of communities, encouraging use of locally available resources. It also enhances active and more meaningful participation of women in food systems. Today, I'm very fortunate to be hosting Leonida Odongo, who's a feminist. She's also at the forefront championing for sustainable food systems in Kenya. Karibu sana, Leonida. Thank you very much for having me. She'll be talking to us today on food systems and where women are in this space. Probably, Leonida, to start us off, you can tell us from a grassroots perspective, where are women in the food system? Uh, One thing is that uh, women are the bulk of food producers, Mm -hmm. not only in Kenya, but in Africa and Mm -hmm. the world at large. And then, of course, women are the majority of those who are employed in in food production. Mm -hmm. But sadly, uh, their participation is not uh, meaningful as it should be, because you find that in policy spaces, it's only men who control. Mm -hmm. And of course, when we talk about policy documents, they determine, for example, allocation of resources. Mm -hmm. And the fact that women are not uh, present in policy spaces, it means that uh, when agricultural resources are being allocated, they are not there. Yeah. And then another sad uh, trend is the fact that food is divided into, food is gendered, it's divided into male and female. Mm-hmm. For example, you find that subsistence uh, food, for mm-hmm. instance, the cassava, the millet, those are presumed to be women products. And you see that when you go selling such, even what you get from the market is not much. And crops, for example, uh, coffee are mostly controlled by men. So yeah. that's where also the gender divide comes in as mm-hmm. far as economics is concerned. Another challenge uh, that women face is a lack of capacity and access to information. Because one, they are too much engaged in, in care work, 
mm-hmm. and they don't get to have access to information. For example, uh, within the African system and Kenya in- included, you find that information is de- disseminated, for example, at the chief's baraza. Mm-hmm. How many women will you find at the chief's baraza, for example, at 10 when discussions are being held or maybe when budget processes are being discussed uh, at local level? Many at times you will not find them there. Maybe yeah. they've gone to the market and, and things like that. Another challenge is the uh, aspect of middlemen and middlemen are responsible for exploiting uh, women. You find that, for example, they come by uh, farm produce where uh, the women are mm-hmm. and they uh, transport them to the cities and towns and uh, the price that they've bought each other at, at the local market in the village is very different from the price at which it's sold. They always put a markup in terms of when they are selling and they end up getting more compared to what the women at the rural level gets. And uh, another uh, issue is the aspect of uh, control of productive resources of which land is key. Mm-hmm. You find that women, many at times the title deeds is always in the in the name of men. Mm-hmm. Or if, for example, uh, the woman is widowed, it's it's in the name of the, the son. And this means that uh, women only have uh, user roles within, uh, user rights within land. They don't have transfer rights. Yeah. Because for you to transfer, for example, let's say you want to expand on your land production, maybe you need to get money. And you, if, if the title deed is not in your name, then you, you, you cannot go to a bank and get and use that land as collateral. Yeah. So that also, you know, pushes women to the brink of, of poverty. Maybe to also mention something on land. Last week we had an interesting discussion with my colleague Emmanuel. I'll link the episode to that podcast on the show notes below, whereby he also mentioned on the struggle of accessing land and how the problem of accessing land can also lead a farmer or an individual not to choose sustainable ways because it's just a land that you're leasing. So you just want to maximize on profits. Yes, as, uh, as I said, if you're talking about food sovereignty, we need to talk about land, you know, because everything that we produce, we get it from the soil and this soil and land are related. So if women are not able to control land, there can never be food sovereignty. Leonida, you've mentioned some of the challenges that women face in the food systems and I believe you work closely with communities and as the executive director of Hakinawiri, which is an organization working with communities, trying to empower communities, also trying to work on social justices. What are you doing in your space or in your capacity to ensure that the voices of women are recognized, the work that women are doing in the food system is also recognized? At Hakinawiri Africa, we have four broad pillars. We have gender justice, climate justice, food justice, and youth engagement. Specifically on food, uh, we link it up with the gender justice uh, mm-hmm. pillar, as well as food justice, but also climate justice, because mm-hmm. there's a direct relationship between uh, climate change and food production, especially because in Kenya, as in the rest of Africa, we depend on rain-fed yeah. agriculture. Mm-hmm. To uh, specifically talk about uh, agroecology and creating spaces for women to uh, engage, first of all, in terms of capacity building, but also to have space where they are safe and can speak about Mm -hmm. uh, control of resources, they can have access to information, they can also have their voices heard, is that uh, specifically we selected rural communities because one, majority of Kenyans live in the rural areas. Mm -hmm. And that's where the bulk of the food that is consumed in towns and cities comes from. So if uh, rural communities 
are not empowered, then it means that our food is going to be disrupted. In terms of rural communities, are you working with women exclusively or is it just a combination of both men and women? It's a combination of both men and women, but specifically in the project that we are running with the Heinrich Bond Foundation, mm -hmm. we are working with women. Mm -hmm. And part of the reason is that we want to respond to the exclusion and marginalization of women when you talk about food production and the, and the, and the food uh, and the value chain. So we are coming in, first of all, to do capacity building and, of course, to make women be politically conscious about food production. Because when you talk about politics, it's the uh, allocation of resources, but it's also who gets what, when and how. Mm -hmm. So we want women to have space uh, where they can champion their issues, but also uh, bring them together to form a movement mm -hmm. such that when they push their case or they push their issues, they are pushing it from an informed perspective, first of all, because they're conscious, but also they're, they're uh, banking on the numbers as a people so that when they say that we want this as a group of women that yeah. is huge they can be listened to as opposed to you know championing on your own as as a lone ranger you mentioned that you're working on a project on agroecology and food justice project, which is also supported by the Root to Food Initiative and the Heinrich Ball Foundation. Probably you can just let the listeners know why did you decide agroecology and food justice? And you can also mention which counties you're working in. The project is on agroecology, and this is because, one, agroecology is um, a movement, is a science, it's also a practice. Mm -hmm. So with agroecology, we started it in order to respond to existing gaps within the community mm -hmm. because one, uh, you find that uh, women don't get to make decisions. So with agroecology they're able to come together, they're able to voice their issues which are listened to and uh, we can champion them through the mm -hmm. Root to Food Initiative as uh, policy advocacy issues at, mm -hmm. at the national level. Mm -hmm. Another uh, reason uh, that uh, we specifically came up with agroecology was to respond to the lack of alternatives in terms of, for example, pesticide use because what mm -hmm. we know is that uh, agrovets are becoming stores for rural communities yeah. to go and get seeds and also to get uh, pesticides. Mm -hmm. And sometimes you find that these pesticides are not uh, regulated. Mm -hmm. But when you come up with agroecology as a form of food production, it uses locally available resources. So the farmer's yeah. footprints to the aggravate is actually minimized mm -hmm. and the farmer can use the uh, resources that are available for example the green matter to make compost they can use grass to make mulch mm -hmm. and uh, they can use for example if a farmer has a neem tree they can they can use that to make biopesticides yeah. which which actually when you look at it in terms of uh, the the cost it's, it's very cheap for the farmer to do that. Probably what you're trying to say is that agroecology therefore can be seen as an opportunity and a framework in which women can transform the economy and society. Yes, it's very possible because right now everybody's uh, becoming conscious about mm -hmm. the type of food they eat. Yeah. Uh, you've seen the uh, World Food Report, uh, the 2021, mm -hmm. is saying that the number of obese people is increasing and the world hunger is also increasing. Yeah. And uh, sadly, we're also having the challenge of uh, climate change. And agroecology as a practice can be able to address some of the challenges brought about by climate change. For example, when farmers grow indigenous seed varieties, mm -hmm. despite the fact that there are changes in weather conditions, they can actually
actually make a harvest out of that as opposed to using uh, industrial seeds which have to depend on chemicals at the entire food production process and which is very costly for farmers. Yeah. Leonida, back to your project, what has been the uptake? How have the women farmers in Machakos taken up the project? Are they really transitioning from conventional approach to embracing agroecology? Yes, as I said before, agroecology is about a practice. Mm -hmm. So what's happening is that uh, we do political and technical education. When you do the technical education aspect, you're actually training the farmers on how to do it. For example, if uh, ah, we do soil uh -huh. testing, uh -huh. that is uh, when we're having atafakari, which is Kiswahili for reflection, we do soil testing. Mm -hmm. Every farmer comes with a glass of soil mm -hmm. from their homestead. Mm -hmm. And uh, in soil testing, we do what we call ribbon test to, to assess the texture of the soil. Mm -hmm. We look at presence of microorganisms, for example, earthworms. Mm -hmm. uh, we look at presence, for example, of roots, green matter, uh, dry matter on the soil. So the, the the more um, the more green matter or, or living matter you have on your soil, it means that your soil has life. Yeah. And the more nutrient it has. Mm -hmm. But then if your soil doesn't have uh, any earthworms, it means that it is toxic and actually there's no life. And with agroecology, it's about bringing life back that, yeah. has, that has been lost. And uh, with the different practices that we do, we also enhance... Um, uh, uh, enhance farmers to, you know, encourage farmers to start uh, having seed banks. Mm -hmm. Because with seed, when you have uh, indigenous seeds, even the taste of food is natural as opposed to, uh, you know, food that has been corrupted through an industrial system. And being conscious about the food that you eat uh, also has implications for how your food is produced. So with agroecology, using natural methods, it means that the food that comes out of your land is actually healthy food yeah. that you are sure of. And of course, the other aspect is that as a consumer, you know where your food comes from as opposed to just going buying food where you don't know how it was produced. There's, uh, with agroecology, it actually builds a relationship between the consumer and the producer. Back to women, how does agroecology on board women. One is uh, it provides them with access to ready information. For example, mm -hmm. as I said, uh, when we're doing our reflections during mm -hmm. uh, the Tafaka reference, yeah. mm -hmm. we ask the farmers, what inputs do you use on your soil? And many of them tell you of the pe different pesticides, uh, different chemicals that they use on the soil. Mm -hmm. And then you ask them about the yield. And then we go through like a historiography. How long have you been farming? You find that maybe the one person has been farming for 30 years, 20 years, 10 years, 5 years. And then you ask them, what changes have you noticed? And the bulk of the, of the response is always that the yield is different. The yield is becoming less. The soil is becoming harder. And so with, with the, the skills training, we try to remedy those problems. And that's part of the reason why I said every farmer comes with a glass of soil, which is actually a mm. presentation of their farm. And when you take them through uh, soil testing, you mm -hmm. take them through uh, presence of microorganisms, and you also take them through uh, a, a process called water retention capacity. Mm -hmm. How much water can can you, a glass of soil uh, retain? Because yeah. water is very essential when you're talking about food production, for instance, on photosynthesis. And if your, your soil cannot hold water, it means that it, the soil is loose. And if your soil is loose, it means that uh, if there is rain, uh, the water, uh, the soil will be, you know, uh, there'll be 
soil erosion. Mm -hmm. If there's wind, uh, the, the topsoil will be carried away. And as we all know, uh, the most important soil as a, for a farmer is the topsoil. So if the farmer cannot take good care of their topsoil, it means that they're not going to be producing good food. And that's why now we're championing for agroecology, especially amongst women. The reason being that uh, women are the bulk of food producers. Women are the bulk of those who are employed in the agricultural workforce. Agroecology also is uh, relevant because uh, the bulk of food producers are women. And of course, women are custodians of local knowledge. And if you look at uh, seeds, women are the, uh, are the majority of those who save seeds. Mm -hmm. And we know that uh, seed is essential for life. Seed is essential for food production. Mm -hmm. Seed is also a cultural heritage mm -hmm. because you find that many communities, uh, like when you're getting married, many a times you're always given seed to symbolize that you're starting a new life, but also it's important for continuity in terms mm -hmm. of like you're going to a new homestead and you'll need food to be uh, sustainable. That's why it's very important to empower women because they are the producers of food. Yenida, besides production, is Hakina Wiri doing something at a policy angle in regards to onboarding women in the, in the food systems and basically onboarding women on sustainable practices like agroecology, pushing for policies? Yes, Hakina Wiri is part of uh, the Alliance for Food Sovereignty mm -hmm. in Africa. And part of what we've been pushing is, one, women voices as mm -hmm. far as food production is concerned, but also uh, given, uh, this is very recent, uh, the African Union was pushing for harmonization of uh, legislations around seed mm -hmm. and we were part of that process in terms of uh, voicing our concern in, in that this was in essence going to commercialize indigenous seeds and continue to marginalize farmers and as we know uh, uh, is that as we know majority of people who take care of seeds are women so when these legislations come in it mm -hmm. means that they're going to continue uh, marginalizing women yeah. in terms of uh, seed and of course food production because food comes from seed and uh, in addition we've also also been participating in countering the UNFSS mm -hmm. process and we've had uh, sessions where we bring in women voices and link that to corporate capture. For example, when you talk about research in yeah. agriculture in the Kenyan context, you find that funding for research goes to conventional agriculture. If you talk about education, the education system is, is promoting conventional agriculture. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So the question is where we bring up debates and uh, we link up not only uh, women in Kenya, but women in other parts of the world to bring in their issues. And through that, we're able to come up with uh, best practices. And many a times we use social media yeah. when we're having this conversation. Mm -hmm. So the information is uh, reaches out to as many people as possible. And uh, we also target, for example, through Twitter, we target uh, specific policymakers. We've had an instance where we were talking about um, corporate capture of food, mm -hmm. and you're able to tag the special rapporteur on right to food, which is very key in terms of like bringing um, local issues to an international uh, arena. Thank you for sharing that, Leonida. And I'm also a believer that everyone needs to be involved in discussion around food matters, and we need an approach, or basically an alternative approach to industrial agriculture. And you've talked so much about agroecology, and I also believe that's the solution. But how will agroecology enable women 
have a voice in decision making in food systems? Agroecology, first of all, it's a movement. And when you talk about movement, it's not one person, it's a group of people coming together. So it's a practice? A s- it's a practice, it's a science, science and, and a it's also a movement. Mm-hmm. So when, when you bring women together, as a group, as a collective, they are able to voice issues collectively as opposed to when you talk about an issue that is disturbing you as an individual. When when you organize in silos, it becomes problematic. Mm-hmm. So when you bring women together, first of all, uh, they become more conscious and they become a, a force. And another thing is uh, through agroecology, women get trained, they have the capacity, the, sk- the knowledge and the skills, and they can end up becoming community uh, agroecology champions within their communities. Probably you can break it down to the list because we've been mentioning agroecology since the beginning. You can just break it down besides it being a science, a movement, and a practice. What is agroecology? Agroecology is a method of food production that works in tandem with the local environment. Mm-hmm. For example, if you're a farmer, you have to understand your farm. You have to have a relationship with your land. For example, understanding uh, the type of soil you have, understanding the terrain, the topography, understanding, for example, the type of, uh, for instance, trees that you can grow mm-hmm. on that particular mm-hmm. land. Mm-hmm. Because you find that uh, some crops can grow in one region but cannot grow in, in others. So with agroecology, is about understanding your environment and growing food that do not harm the environment. It's, all, it's also about uh, using natural resources mm-hmm. and reducing your footprints to external resources as much as possible. So does it mean that agroecology, now that you're talking about decision making, that basically it moves beyond solving the issues at the farm level, but also at the broader level? The social injustices, not necessarily from yes. a farm level, but yes. also... Uh-huh. Because with agroecology, as I said, when, when you bring in the movement aspect, mm-hmm. farmers or producers come together. And when they come together, there's an exchange of knowledge, and there's also an exchange of experiences. Mm-hmm. And when issues, issues can be brought and discussions around these issues uh, be raised and that way uh, you can be able to push them for example as I said if you come together it's not easy to ignore you if you're a group let's say for example we have like in Machakos in, in Muvuti where we we having this project it's a group of 300 women if for example you're championing something as one person and on this other side there are 300 a group of 300 women listening to a group of 300 women becomes more apparent compared to listening to a group just one person So with agroecology, what it does uh, in terms of giving uh, voice is that it helps to build collectives. And it also helps to build consciousness uh-huh. so that, uh, one, you are conscious about what you're producing, you're conscious about how you produce it, and also you have the knowledge to say no, for example, when, when agrovets come to your farm and tell you to use chemicals, because you have the knowledge, you're able to criticize and you're able to say this is not working. But if you don't have the knowledge, it means that anything you're given, everything uh, you're told, you're going to be taking it as gospel. And maybe to add on that, even push the government to support sustainable food practices. Yes. Back to the project that you're doing in Machakos Leonida, 10 years, not even 10 years, 10 years is a lot. Now that you've already started with the Tafakari forums, are you already done with the Tafakari forums in Machakos? And what's the plan after those forums? One thing is that uh, when you do the Tafakari forums, as I said before, it looks at the entire food production process. Soil, seed, care for crops, harvest, post-harvest, and value addition. Mm-hmm. And of course, it also brings in the aspect of engaging uh, the local government and also the county government in terms of raising issues as they happen, because sometimes things are happening and uh, sometimes they may not be aware 
of things that are happening or they may decide to ignore. So it actually brings in a connectivity between rural women and the local government officials. And what we plan to do is um, either we'll invite them to the women's spaces so that they can listen to the women's voices, mm -hmm. but also we are going to look at uh, having them visit women in, in their homestead so that they can actually see what the women are doing. Because, for example, right now, uh, the group we're working with, they have started doing composting on their farms. And this is going to be a remedy to uh, the soil infertility. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And number two, they've also started working on uh, saving seeds, collecting the few seeds that they have, because you know that seed species are disappearing. Yeah. The, the different seeds that they have, the, the indigenous ones, and also, of course, naming them. Because what is happening is that uh, with the push for industrial seed systems, indigenous seeds is always always labeled as backward. And uh, we, ha we had a session with, uh, with the women asking them how many of them have granaries. And out of uh, a group of 20 women, it's only one elderly woman who had a granary. And the emphasis was that if you don't have a granary, it means that uh, your granary is, is the aggravate, which is quite disturbing as yeah. far as food is concerned. During the Tafakari forums, what are some of the best practices that have that you've gotten from the communities that you're working with? One uh, is uh, a return to indigenous practices mm -hmm. because they've realized that uh, whenever they go and buy seeds from the aggravates, these seeds do not thrive. And uh, from the last Tafakari that we had, they were sharing that they've been given specific instructions that don't go and replant these seeds. So it means that you're only using these seeds that you're getting from the aggravate mm -hmm. just for one season. One season yeah. So one best practice is uh, the realization that uh, they need to go back to the indigenous seeds. Mm -hmm. And of course, the aspect of uh, linking granary and uh, seed sovereignty. If you don't have a granary, for example, in your homestead, it means that you don't have seed sovereignty and it means that you don't have food sovereignty. You can probably explain to the listeners the meaning of seed sovereignty and food sovereignty. Seed sovereignty is the aspect of being able to control, first of all, to have seeds, to be able to control the sources of the seeds and also to determine what you want to do with the seeds. Because there are some seeds that um, are used for planting. There are some that are, are used for, for as food. Basically, and it's power. Is it power to... Sovereignty is also about power. Yeah. Because, like, for example, if you find uh, when farmers go to the agrovet, they don't have the power to control the seeds. Whatever is sold in the in the, in the the agrovet is what they buy. And uh, the, many a times uh, when the seeds fail, they don't have any form of uh, insurance. And a case scenario happened in Movoti in uh, 2016, where the farmers went to the agrovet, the entire village. They bought seeds and they were told that if these seeds don't grow, they don't germinate after a given period, call this number. And when they called the number, it was Teja Wanambari Hapatikani. So it means that that is actually a realization that we need to go back to our indigenous seeds, but also you have a lot of uh, power when you can be able to control your own seeds and when you have them within your own uh, household. And when you talk about food sovereignty, is about controlling your food. You find that uh, the farmers grow the food, but they don't predict, uh, they don't determine the prices. It's the middlemen who determine the yeah. prices, and they also don't control the the food chain. So with the food sovereignty, is them having the power to make decisions as far as uh, what they grow is concerned, the distribution aspect, but also the, the uh, aspect of markets. We have so many organizations who work closely with farmers, 
and specifically women farmers, trying to train them on sustainable food production practices like agroecology. What is that one thing that is really distinct from other organizations that Hakinawiri is doing? Uh, what's uh, distinct in terms of our practices, first of all, is the political aspect because it helps to build consciousness and start making people think differently about how things are. Mm -hmm. And also, when you talk about uh, uh, politics of food, for instance, you start asking the hard questions. So it's not just about uh, the government, for example, coming to give you fertilizers, but you start asking, are there any other alternatives or must I use this fertilizer and yeah. be changed to, for instance, uh, government? Um, sort of subsidies. And then number two, what makes us uh, unique is the movement building aspect, building a collective amongst uh, rural communities. What we see is that rural communities are often uh, neglected. So for us, we go to where the problem is, bringing these women together and also pushing for their voices to be heard. So the distinctive aspect is uh, the looking at food from a political angle as a political mm -hmm. issue, mm -hmm. but also looking at uh, engaging women on movement building. And uh, when we do movement building, we not only look at food as a standalone thing, but we look at intersectionality of food uh, with other injustices. For example, you look at food and labor, food mm -hmm. and distribution, you know, uh, food and resource allocation. So the movement aspect is very important in terms of bringing uh, women together, but also building their collective consciousness and building their collective power. I like in the final statement, and indeed, a movement symbolizes power. As we wind down, as a young feminist, and food is a basic right, would you also urge other feminists working or who are not championing for the realization of the right food? Will you also urge them to support to support agroecology or the realization of the human right to food? Yes, that's very important because when you talk about food, food is an international connector. Mm -hmm. Whether you are an African African, you are uh, an Asian, you're a European, you need to eat food. Uh, whether you're rich or poor, living in the urban or rural areas, you need food. So there's uh, an aspect of centrality of food and that's why everybody needs to be uh, concerned about what they eat and where the food comes from. And of course, uh, with food, we can break uh, the barriers of patriarchy, especially when you look at aspects to do with land yeah. as a productive resource when you talk about food production. We've come to the end of the show. Thank you so much for your insights, Leonida, and thanks so much to our listeners for listening in. Until next time, Kwaheri Asante.